When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call them a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Tough mama, meat shaking on your bones. I'm going to go down to the river and get some stones. Sister's on the highway with that steel driving crew. Papa's in the big house. His working days are through. Tough mama, can I blow a little smoke on you? This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the freewheeling Rob Kelly. Joining us this week to talk about Tough Mama from 1974's Planet Waves is fellow Bobcat, Jeremy KG. Hi, Jeremy. Hi, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks for doing the show. Yeah, I've been listening to quite, for quite a while, and I'm excited to do this. All right. I'm excited to talk about this song. I mean, I'm, I'm always excited to talk about a Bob Dylan song, but the, <laughs> this one, uh, there's a lot of interesting things to discuss about it, despite its relative, I would say, obscurity in the Dylan canon, but we'll get to all that in a moment. So, of course, Jeremy, you know what's coming. i got to ask you, how did you become a fan of Bob? <clears throat> uh, kind of accidental, I think. Like, growing up in the 80s and 90s, I listened to mostly rock and like hair bands and rap and Nirvana in the nineties. Like it was pretty far from Bob Dylan, but I had a summer job that we listened to a lot of classic rock radio and it just kind of snuck in there a little bit. And then by the time I got to college, I had a roommate who said, Bob Dylan's playing two miles away from our apartment. We should probably go. And that just kind of hooked me. Wow. (laughs) We went, we went to the first show and you know, he played tough mama that first show. (laughs) It was, I, I it was fake, like, Jeremy. It was fake. Uh, it, it really was. I think maybe I listened to like Greatest Hits Volume 3 and the other, like the, I think the first bootleg series, you know, that was kind of all I'd listened to. And I was just kind of blown away by like, what are all these other songs that he's playing? And I just kept going from there and it just kind of got out of hand and it's been great. <laughs> got out of hand. So was, was your, your roommate a fan uh, initially? I mean, why, 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 was, why were they interested in seeing Bob? live i think it was just because he was he was literally two miles from our apartment and we could walk there and it's like well we should probably see him he's old and (laughs) it's something we should do all right so your your friend was more interested in like a historical aspect of it like hey this guy is going to be right in our backyard why not go see him oh yeah and then we all you know we all went and saw him that one night and then the next fall he came back again like you know we should probably go to two shows this time (laughs) So we made a two-hour road trip to catch a different one and caught him back in our home city. And that next summer, I was like, well, maybe we should go to four. And then we did a road trip for four shows. And and honestly, yeah, it's been going ever since. Like, I don't go quite as many anymore, but it's been 99 shows now. So that, Wow. <laughs> That's a lot of shows. Yeah, like I said, it got a little out of hand. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, so what's the furthest from your home that you have seen him? Uh, either Norway or Switzerland. Holy jeez. Now, what, were you on vacation or something? I mean, how do you end up in Norway from you know, where it you was, are now? Yeah, it was really trying to decide where in the entire world you should go on a vacation. And how do you narrow that down? Because there's so many awesome places to go and... It really was, hey, Bob Dylan's on tour in <laughs> Europe. Maybe we should check one out. And then, like, all these other things started to, like, fall into place, other, like, personal interests of, like, 
a track and field meet, Bob Dylan concert. There was a Harley motorcycle rally all going on in Norway in the span of like a month. So we went to it all. That's wow. That is amazing. So before you saw the first show, I mean, you, you mentioned you had had the, the greatest hits and the bootleg series, which is an interesting purchase to make. Cause that's kind of all deep cut stuff. I mean, do you remember what, it, what, what was the initial stuff that really appealed to you? Was it, you said you got the greatest hits. Was it just, all those kind of the, the big songs and that was really kind of got you hooked? No, it, it was, you know, listen to like greatest hits volume one. I think it was just, just going through like classic rock, you know, and you're kind of getting through some of that stuff in the, his early stuff. But I think it was, I think like many of your um, guests have talked about like greatest hits volume three, like there's some pretty fantastic stuff on there. Mm-hmm. And that one brought us, brought me in and then, and then just trying to find more and more. And, you know, after we're going to like four shows a tour and things like that, then it starts, then we start getting into like the bootlegs and like listening to all the live shows and different versions of songs. And it was just kind of everything. <laughs> you know, we, there wasn't any particular song, but like definitely gravitated towards, you know, some of these rare songs like Tough Mama mm-hmm. and Blind Willie McTell. And even, you know, the, we were on tour going on a bunch of the shows in Atlantic city. And I think it was probably 2000, 2001, maybe. And my wife and I was like, well, let's, you know, Bob, he's got one more show on this tour. And he typically has been playing blind Willie McTell at the end of the, the last show of the tour. And he'd done it several tours in a row. Like we should probably make the extra drive and drive to Maryland and go check this one out <laughs> and completely miss work the next day. But it was worth it because he totally played Blind Willie McTell that day. So and hadn't played it for quite a while. So it was kind of fun to see. So was you? So was your wife that level of dedicated? Dedicated had that level of dedication as well to this? Oh, she's gone to. I think she's gone to about sixty shows. Jeez. There's been a couple that I've gone. Like I did uh, 2002. I, like in August, I just did the whole tour of like 18 shows. Are you independently wealthy? I mean, how is, how are, I guess ask, how are you able to do that? I mean, it's none of my business, but how are you able to do something no, like, like that? That's a really good question. Like, <laughs> we, no, like at the time, it was really poor, actually. Like, I was working odd jobs. I was, like, part-time working at a university, just trying to do any job, like, to pay the rent. But we would travel really cheaply. A lot of peanut butter sandwiches, we were just out of college and okay. Oh, all right. So you were very young and okay. Got yeah. It, got it. Got it. We had, you know, not much for expenses. And honestly, I had a minivan and we slept in that minivan. Ah, and there you great. go. So, okay. All right. There it's a lot go. cheaper if you don't have to, if you don't have to pay for hotels and things like that. Very true. Very true. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, that is extraordinary. So you said you've seen 99 shows. I mean, yeah. is there something you're, are, are you waiting to you know, waiting for the Rough and Rowdy Ways tour to do 100 is you you 100 to be something special, or is it just you just happen to only quote unquote only see 99 at this point? Yeah, yeah, I've thought about that, but now with the the la- the next uh, shows coming up relatively soon, I just figured like I better get it out of the way. Uh, yeah, like, who knows if it's gonna like I don't want to be like ah, I probably should have went to that, and then all of a sudden it's you know more things shut down and don't get yeah. to do it. So we're actually flying to Albuquerque for the show in March. Wow. Be the hundredth one. That's, am- <laughs> that is amazing. So, okay. We're fascinated by this. So you said you went to that first show. 
And obviously, uh, I mean, he, you know, everyone knows he, his concerts don't sound like what you're sort of expecting to. How do you remember how prepared you were for that when you obviously you liked it because then you went and saw two more and then four more and it kind of like it was just it just grew from there. But were you prepared for what you were going to hear? Obviously, you liked it. But did you know like, oh, this is not going to sound anything what I've been listening to? No, I had no idea. <laughs> like, I really didn't. And 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 that's why I didn't even know like half the songs like I heard. Like, there were songs I didn't recognize that first show. There were, yeah, I didn't know what to expect. And I think it wasn't, you know, until we went to the next couple shows where then it really started to sink in. Like, man, he is playing, like, who knows what he was going to play then? <laughs> like, that, that was so remarkable that just any amount, any song was up, was up for grabs, like, in each show. So I think it was the excitement of that. And I think some of it's like, then you got a group of, we had a group of friends that were just going to shows. And then, you know, eventually me and my girlfriend, me and my wife, you know, like, this is our way to travel. And it's a great way to, and a great excuse to go on a trip. Hmm. Now, was she a Dylan fan before you met her or did you introduce her? It actually, we both were at the same college and had the same friends and it kind of happened all at the same time. Gotcha. That's, (laughs) that's marvelous. That real that's that's amazing. Ninety nine shows is, is quite impressive. I have to say, man, that's that's and it, amazing. Yeah, but and it was you know it truly has been just a great way to pick out random places to go. Yeah, you know places yeah. I would never see, places I would never expect to go to. But it's been like, yeah, we did like Nova Scotia and New Brunswick. Like I would never go there and pick those places to go, but they were beautiful. We had great hiking and saw a couple Dylan shows along the way. So, okay. So like, like Bob, do you kind of go and you make a point of it to see some of the local, you know, the local flora and fauna as it were there when you go, you don't, you just <laughs> kind of hit the town. Cause we noticed Bob seems to do that. You know, he's, there's been right. stories of him wandering the town and things like that. It's obviously something that's important to him to at least see some of these places that he is touring. It's not just, he's not just staying at a fancy hotel or staying in the van uh, the bus and does the shoot, does the show and then disappears. So you you guys take it. It's part of his a travelogue as well as seeing Bob concert. Oh yeah, yeah. It's definitely you know that's not the only thing we're doing. You know, so we're definitely hitting state parks, national parks, restaurants in the cities. You know, we're trying to do you know see a lot. And that's amazing. That's great. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely fantastic. I've, have you ever been somewhere that you were? Uh, went somewhere that you were like, wow, this is, we could, I might want to live here. Like this was that cool. Or, or do you feel like you've always, you know, you like places more than some others, but there was nothing that you ever were like, <laughs> whoa, wait a minute. I don't well, know if we want to go home. I did the, uh, so it was, it was 2001 August and there was like state fair shows and a bunch of random shows, but it was four nights in Colorado. And there was two shows back to back in Telluride. Hmm. And I'd never been there before. I'd never been to Colorado before. Beautiful. And driving through and just that, especially when we got to Telluride, we just camped right in the like the little park area. And he's playing at the little ballpark right in the town. And it was just magical. And that's like, that's one of the shows that like my wife didn't go on that trip. But so I was just me by myself with like meeting random people and hanging out and going to all these shows. and. It was just so amazing because it was the first night and it just rained all day. (laughs) 
people are waiting in line to get in because it's just general admission and it was terrible. It's like, ah, this show is really going to kind of suck. And it stops raining right before the show. <laughs> it's like, wow, like literally like Bob Dylan's causing the rain to stop. <laughs> and it sounds so like I made this up, but it's not like he sings hard rain's going to fall. And sure enough, it rains <laughs> mid show. And it's like, yeah, and just the mountains surrounding that whole town, like, yeah, I could move there. That would be, <laughs> that would be pretty nice. You guys, you have to do like a podcast or something about this. This is really fascinating. <laughs> I mean, like a, 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 you know, a Bob Dylan slash travel podcast, Jeremy. I mean, this is, that, it, that's just an amazing series of stories. The, yeah, and the people you meet that are, you know, going to way more shows than I go to. And it's, yeah, it's truly a pretty fascinating community of people that are doing that. And, you know, we had met people that probably hadn't missed a show in 10 years. Again, so, how did Well over 500 shows that they're going to. <laughs> I don't know who all these eccentric millionaires are that can just do this, but, I, you know, I envy them for Pete's sakes. That's, uh, again, that is just remarkable. I mean, my God. I, I tell, you know, a lot of the people in my life are not Dylan fans or may, you know, only know him basically through my obsession with it. And, you know, uh, when we went to the last show, they were like, oh, what number of show of this is for you? And I'm like, oh, I think it's 26. And their eyes go large, 26. And yet, yet to most Bob fans, 26 is a pretty low number. You know, it's all relative. But, uh, wow, I mean, 99, again, that is just that is supremely impressive. And so, we've, just, we've just made that a priority. And not just Bob Dylan concerts either. We go to a lot of concerts in general. And okay. some of it's we've had – you know, say like you make goals, you know, maybe it's your new year's resolution or whatever, but we made the goal a long time ago that we would go to 12 concerts a year of anything. Wow. And, and some of it was because we had moved from Chicago to a small town and we didn't want to just like die in a small town. Like we need, <laughs> like we need something to like keep us going. So like, all right, we're going to go to a concert a month. We're going to average that. And even then that was pretty, the only year we didn't make that was when our kids were born. Right. I think wow. we made it to seven that year, but we've had years like 40 concerts. Jeez. You know, we definitely make it a priority. We take our kids to concerts. They go to quite a few. They've seen Bob Dylan once. So <laughs> what was that? What was that? Uh, that reaction? Uh, very underwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to believe. Uh, they're, yeah, they're not, they, they're not uh, excited about the deep cuts. <laughs> that he's doing. No, no, not at all. They were, and it, it, it didn't help that it was at the Ravinia outside of Chicago, which is not a great place to see. Okay. And they didn't, they weren't that into it. They kind of gravitate more towards um, punk music. Mm-hmm. They like a lot of like Dropkick Murphys, British punk band idols. We've taken them to San Francisco to see them. Like it's, they definitely have their interests. They will tolerate a little bit of Bob Dylan, <laughs> but they're not quite there yet. I'm just Got laying it. the groundwork for when they hit their twenties and they realize this is where it's at. All right, man. Well, that, that is amazing, Jeremy. That is again, truly impressive. And, uh, uh, I really admire that. That's, you know, sort of picking a, a goal like that and then getting it done. That's just really, really, that's really cool. I really, uh, the, the, I feel like I could spend the whole show just talking about seeing, seeing pop concerts, but we do, we do need to talk about uh tough mama, which again, kind of a, a curious choice. And I am dying to find out why you wanted to talk about this one outside of the fact it happened to be, he happened to play it on the first time you saw him, uh, which is unusual. Now, when I first got into Bob uh, in the 90s and I was buying all of his albums on cassette for Pete's sakes, 
uh, one of the things that I did was I, because I was, you know, there was so much of it, you know, there was so much to take in. I was trying to kind of learn it in piecemeal. And what I would do is that if there was an album of his and there were say four songs that I liked more than the others, I pulled them and made a mixtape of like my favorites. And I tried to learn those first. And tough mama was one of the, one of the, I think along with forever young, I think we're the two that I pulled immediately off of planet waves. Cause this song is uh, such high energy um, interesting lyrics, and we'll get into the variations here. But this was really one of the ones that that captivated captivated me from the beginning, and it always has. I always think it's a really interesting song, and again, it's it's obscure in his catalog. He doesn't hasn't performed it live very much. Again, we'll get into that a little. But why did you want to talk about this one? And, and I think similarly, like this, the whole album really stands out to me as one that I go back to frequently, and that song in particular really jumps out at me. And it has from the first time I heard it to, yeah, I just think that whole kind of early mid seventies is a period that I just, yeah, I just keep going back to it to listen. We've talked about another uh, episodes about Planet Wave songs is that uh, the, the sound that him and the band put together for this record has a very, I think kind of ramshackle feel like it feels like it's in some songs, it's just ready to like fly apart at the seams uh, and I mean, obviously it isn't, they're, they're you know, highly skilled professionals. That's the sound they're trying to go for. But when I think of when I, when I describe that, this is the song I think about because it has such a set of cacophony of sound, um, that it feels like it almost feels very discordant. Like there's all this stuff coming from all these different directions. Like, in fact, there's a, um, there's a YouTube video, by um, a guy who's a professional drummer and he does like a nine minute video talking about just the drum patterns on this song and how unusual it is. And he replicates it. He'll play the, they'll play the song, you know, like a 30 seconds of the song and he's replicating it. And again, I know nothing about how music is put together, but through that video, it's like, Oh yeah, he's talking about how unusual it is. And that song, it, there's just, there's these, you know, the guitar coming in, the drum coming in, there's Bob's harmonica. It has such a, strange loud kind of feel to it and yet it is a very intimate song because he's just talking to this one woman and when i went to uh, look the song up on bobdone.com like it like we've discovered in other songs uh the version on bobdone.com has been completely rewritten from the one that we know off of planet <laughs> yes yeah. completely in fact when i first got to it i was like wait a minute what what lyrics are these so on the website Actually, you know, let me, let me, I'll read the, 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 you know, the lyrics you hear on the record. The second verse is dark beauty. Won't you move it on over and give me some room? It's my duty to bring you down to the field where the flowers bloom. Ashes in the furnace, dust on the rise. You came through it all the way, flying through the skies. Dark beauty with that long night's journey in your eyes. On the website, it's dark lady. Won't you move it on over and make some room? Rolling steady, sweeping through the country like a broom. Put your arms around me like a circle around the sun. You got a pocket full of money, but you can't help me none. Shady lady, the dress you're wearing weighs a ton. I could not. I feel like those lyrics could not be further from the song that you hear on the record. Uh, it's just kind of amazing that he would at some point decide to rewrite it and seemingly rewrite it totally differently than the version you hear on Planet Waves. Right, it definitely like the the website version makes it sound like more of one of the throwaway for fun basement tapes songs. Mm-hmm. 
just kind of like a lower level of lyrics for him. Like it's just, I read those lyrics and I just think, ah, this is, this would not be that good of a song mm-hmm. compared to the one that he's saying. Yeah. Uh, and on the, the original uh, version, the, the original version, the, again, the version on planet waves is six verses, uh, five, excuse me, five verses long on the Bob It's only four. So not only again, has he completely rewritten it, he's eliminated an entire verse. Uh, the third verse is sweet goddess born of a blinding light and a changing wind. Now don't be modest. You know who you are and where you've been. Jack, the cowboy went up North. He's buried in your past. The lone wolf went out drinking. That was over pretty fast. Sweet goddess, your perfect strangers come on in at last. So in your mind, like what, what, what is it about this song? Why, why do you like, what do you think it's a, in your mind? What is it about to you? You know, I think it's, you know, you can kind of I, characterize some of the Dylan songs and a lot of them, the ones that relate to love are usually lost love, looking for love. And for some reason, like this one, you know, if you read into it, like actually his life and that kind of stuff. But I, first time I heard it, it was like, oh, this guy's fallen in love or he's chasing somebody, but it sounded more lusty than some mm-hmm. of his other songs, you know? And I think that kind of, because it's different than a lot of his songs. And I think some of it's the combination of the way he sings it, the lyrics just being that more like, maybe I'm in love right now, instead of being heartbroken. And then I think, like you said, the ramshackleness of the band behind him, where it's just about to fall apart. He's kind of on this edge of being in love. And I think that kind of just, yeah, that kind of just grabs me the combination of those two. Uh, I, you know, when I, again, when I read the words and this was, you know, uh, a lot of Dylan songs I've always had before Bob Dylan.com existed. I always had a tough time. I had to kind of, you know, transcribe them myself or uh, buy the book. I had the lyrics book, the 1962 to whatever, I think it was 2002 or whatever the version was uh, that I had. And I mean, it's got the lyrics in there, but the, the, you know, we know from the context of when this was done, you know, obviously he was working on this record before he went out on that massive tour with the band and I always took it as kind of like, it's a guy. And again, you know, how much of it is quote unquote Bob Dylan or how much of it is the singer, just the narrator. We don't, you know, we'll never know, but I always took it. It's, it's like a guy who is, um, he said he's going to go out kind of away from this woman for a while, but he's reassure, he's trying to reassure her that he really does love her. And that she's very important to him. In fact, she's most the most important to him of all, of everything. And he's kind of buttering her up a little, and he's kind of almost winking at her, like she knows that he's doing that. Like the line about "Can I blow a little smoke on you?" Which is, you know, the, that phrase is when you're blowing smoke on somebody, you're kind of like trying to butter them up a little, or or confuse. No, you're not confuse them, but you're trying to uh, flatter them. And so, and the way uh, his his performance in the song is terrific. And again, I love what he says. Kind of again, like I kind of blow a little smoke on you. I think there's a kind of like he's leaning into this person, saying, "All right, I'm really going to lay it on thick," and I'm telling you that. I'm letting you know uh, because, of course, you know, initially he calls her a tough mama, but then he moves on to dark beauty, sweet goddess, silver angel. I mean, that is the most florid kind of descriptions you could give someone if you're trying to compliment them. So I kind of like the sort of kidding nature of it like it's he he knows the person he's singing to knows that he's overdoing it a little but he's yeah. overdoing it anyway and that's i kind of i really like that in the song 
Yeah, I like that too. That sounds. Yeah. You know, there's like, just like with any of the Dylan songs, there's just so many way, things to read into it and interpret, and you look at it another time or hear it a different way in a different time of your life, and it means something completely different. Mm-hmm. They're always kind of changing. I love in that third verse, the the line about the lone wolf went out drinking. That was over pretty fast. Uh, I I kind of again I love the the delivery of that. The way he said that was over pretty fast. Like he just it's kind of like uh, he's almost stopped singing at some point. It's almost like a talk singing thing when he gets to that line. Uh, the fourth verse where he says, "Silver angel with the badge of the lonesome road uh, written on your sleeve, uh, I'd be grateful if this golden ring you'd receive." Today on the countryside, it was a hotter than a crotch. I stood along upon the, I stood alone upon the ridge, and all I did was watch. Sweet goddess, it must be time to carve another notch. And then the final verses: I'm crestfallen. The world of illusion is at my door. I ain't hauling any of my lambs through the marketplace anymore. The prison walls are crumbling. There is no end in sight. I've gained some recognition, but I lost my appetite. Dark beauty, meet me at the border late tonight. Now again. Hard to, that final verse, hard to, if you know anything about Bob Dylan's life, hard to read that as anything other than he's, you know, this is a guy that has achieved massive worldwide success. And he's saying, eh, it's not not all it's cracked up to be. And especially, it's so funny for a guy, again, about to go off on a massive tour where he's going to be away from his family for how long? to sing, I ain't hauling any of my lambs through the marketplace anymore. It's like, well, that's exactly what he's about to do. And yet here he is promising he's not going to do that anymore. Yeah. And the, just the, like the word choices that Bob Dylan makes like crestfallen, whoever uses that word, but the way he sings it. And then it leads into the, I ain't a hauling. And it's like, <laughs> it blows my mind. Some of these things that he does and the way he delivers the very last line, meet me at the border late tonight. Like I just, those things just grab me. And I love it. Yeah, I mean, the meet me at the border, again, that feels like it's it's a thing like, okay, I'm going to go off and do this thing. And when I'm done, meet me at the, you know, meet me at this location when we're done. And again, you could sort of imagine like a Bob Dylan saying to presumably Sarah or whoever, I'm going to go off and do this thing. But when I'm done, let's meet back at wherever and we'll we'll pick up where we're where we're leaving off. And so, right. uh, you know, I'm going to go off and do this thing. Now, I will say the the line the I ain't hauling any of my lambs to the marketplace anymore. That really jumped out at me, even as a, a like a very young person, like a 19 or 20 year old. There was just something about the way he sings it. It was so kind of bold and ballsy, and just kind of like the statement of intent. And it was one of my favorite lines from his uh, as I was getting to to really like his songs. And then I remember in 1991 when they put out the series of dreams video and they have all different lyrics of his songs of other songs flying across the screen in that video in animated form. You'll see them running at the bottom of the screen or they scroll up, you know, they're all over the place. And that line is on that video. You see that line come in red type at the bottom at one point where it says, I ain't all any of my lambs at the marketplace anymore. And it, it felt so special to me that like, I was like, Oh wow. There was somebody else out there that really loves that line. Cause look, they put it in this video that has nothing, <laughs> no connection. It's not, like, it felt like this, you know, crazy coded message just to me that like, I was the only person that knew that line. And uh, it was just so, imp- I got, I was so tickled to see it, but I just thought it was such a terrific line. And I was glad that like, you know, somebody out there in the official Bob Dylan camp liked it enough to bother to put it in a video for a completely different song. 
Right. A less impressive line, but one that sticks up for my family is the characteristic characterizing something as hot, hotter than a crotch. <laughs> like my, like we have used that now, like that's in like family dictionary type word phrase where even my kids are like, ha, we're out hiking. And it's like, it's hotter than a crotch dad. <laughs> and it's just from that song. Mm-hmm. Like they just, it's just come up over and over again. It's just part of our family speech now from tough mama bold choice to put the word crotch in a song (laughs) and then to make it the word that you're rhyming on yeah (laughs) i mean not just in the song because it's it's kind of an ugly word it's it sounds ugly you know uh and yet there and then you know again bold choice to rhyme it with watch there (laughs) this is kind of especially when the song again is so florid you know filled with silver angel and you know sweet goddess all these wonderfully uh, florid phrases, and then he sticks in. This is hotter than a crotch. Which is- oh yeah, that don't, that seems like it belongs in the uh, website version of the song, not this version. Yeah. Now on the website, uh, he sings, uh, or he doesn't sing. It just says it here. Angel baby, born of a blinding light and a changing wind. So again, it's the same line there. Drive me crazy. You know who you are and where you've been. Staring at the ceiling, standing on the chair. Big fires blazing, ashes in the air. Angel baby, I wonder what you've done back there. And then it ends with, I'm crestfallen, the world of illusion is, is at my door. I hear you calling, same old thing like it was before. Crawling through the meadow like a lion in the den, heading for the roundup at the rainbow's end. Tough mama, let's get on the road again. And I mean, again, it's, it's, I'm amazed that he would take the time to rewrite something so thoroughly. And as far as I know, I've never heard these words sung anywhere. Uh, I've heard a couple of live versions and we'll talk about that in a second, but none of the ones on YouTube uh, of, of him doing the song live feature these words. He sings the ones from planet wave. So I don't know where this, these, these words were ever used, but there they are on BobDylan.com. Yeah. Just one of the many mysteries, right? Why, why go through the effort? Yeah. I'm like, you know, I mean, not just re, not tightening up language or right. changing a line. I mean, it's completely rewritten. I mean, for Pete's sakes, uh, live wise, this has only been played 44 times uh, in its in its history. He gave it a couple of early outings on the initial tour with the band. He did it for three nights in a row um, in 1974, and then not again until 1997. And I was going through the dates, and I looked at some of the dates, and I thought these th- th- some of these dates look familiar. So I looked up my little Excel sheet that I have of my Bob Dylan concerts. And I saw that I've actually seen Tough Mama performed live twice. Uh, I kind of forgot about it. He performed it on August 16th, my birthday, 1997, in Mansfield, Massachusetts, at the Great Woods Performing Arts Center. I was at that show. And then four nights later, on August 20th, 1997, in Philadelphia, at the Man Music Center. So uh, for a song that's only been performed 44 times, I've managed to see it twice. Now, you mentioned... You saw him do it that first time when you saw him. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So is, is that the only time you've ever seen him do it? No, I saw it. So that was the, that was also the 97 tour. That was August in St. Paul. And then the Telluride show I mentioned, actually, he played it there as well. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> that's kind of a So that was August 20th, 2001, right? Is that what the, yeah. the town yep. park in Telluride? Colorado? Okay. Yeah. So that's pretty amazing. Again, for a thing that's only been done 44 times. Uh, you and I have managed to catch it quite a bit. 
Um, he stopped playing it in 2009 and it has not surfaced since. Now there are uh, a bunch of bootlegs up on YouTube of him doing the song. Uh, have you checked those out? I've listened to a couple of them. Yeah. What'd you think? I don't know. Like it's, it's like, I still enjoy it. I, it's one of my favorite songs, mm-hmm. but it's yeah. Picking out the different lyrics and the way things are done. But I think it's the thing that, again, this thing that grabbed me the first show I saw and I think when I saw him in Telluride too and he pulls that out and it's just kind of like mind-blowing, right? Mm-hmm. That he plays it again. The the live versions are pretty close to what you hear on the record in terms of the tune. Right. Uh, he doesn't like substantially rewrite it or anything like that. Uh, and it's kind of fun. I always find it amusing to hear, you know, like those, whether you're at a concert or listening to a bootleg or something, where he pulls out an obscure song and you got to count how long it takes the audience to figure out what he's singing. You know, <laughs> there's always people are like, yeah. huh, what? Now this one's a little, a little easier if you know the catalog. Cause of course the first line is tough mom. And so he's announcing the title of the song right at the beginning, but you can hear people kind of go like, Oh, you know, <laughs> start figuring out. Oh, okay. He's singing, he's singing, uh, singing that one. And um, there was one bootleg uh, that actually might've even been Telluride. I thought it might've said that, but there was one that showed that actually had the video of him singing it. Other ones just have like a still image or something, but this one actually sure. this person managed to sneak in like a phone camera or whatever. And he looks like he's having fun. Like he's smiling through it. He really looks like he's having fun playing this one. So it's, it's a nice rave up of a song. And it's, again, the lyrics are terrific. It's, it's kind of a shame that it's not something that he pulls out a whole lot. Yeah. I, you know, that's one of the things that I think that's great conversation, like driving to a Dylan show across the country, like the conversation, like how, how do you come up with the set list? Mm-hmm. when you have that many songs and how do you not revisit some of these ones that, you know, I can like back in those shows, you know, Charlie Sexton and Larry Campbell, like wanting to just rock out on their guitars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Hey, how about this one? Let's play this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's it. It's, it's a, it's a great hard driving rock song. It's the third song on the record. Uh, and it really said it really has like this. It, Planet Wave starts with On a Night Like This, which is a fast song. But this is really kind of this wonderful kind of jolt of energy. And again, the lyrics are, you know, you could see where he's sort of headed for Blood on the Tracks. I, I can't imagine this kind of song being on Blood on the Tracks, but the lyrics are a little, not quite where, where he would get to with those songs. But you could see this sort of, it, it, this is not a story song. It, it You know, it seems to exist kind of in an indeterminate time frame or whatever. He's making these promises to this person. We don't exactly, they seem to have a history together. Uh, we don't know how much of a history. He, of course, like in a lot of Dylan songs, mentions characters that we have no idea. Jack the Cowboy. You know, I don't know who the hell Jack the Cowboy is. You know, I don't know. Are they, the stuff that, have you, in your mind, are you able to kind of like put it all together? Or does it just, you don't worry about that because you're just enjoying listening to it? I th- a little of both. Like, you know, I always, I enjoy the, the musicality of his words, you know, like the mm-hmm. phrasing and the cadence and the emotion that he puts into his lyrics and singing them, you know, mm-hmm. which definitely comes through in, you know, recent tours, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so- I- oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. <clears throat> oh, I was just like, yeah, it's just hard to, hard to put together some of the songs, but I think I always, I think I took this song more as like a, lifespan of a relationship rather than just kind of a short term thing. Like mm-hmm. you had started kind of alluded to as well. Like I think maybe this is meeting the person and 
maybe Jack the Cowboy, yeah, that's some other dude that's with this lady that he's <laughs> captivated with, right? And, hey, your perfect stranger's coming in last. That might be me. <laughs> you know? like that's mm-hmm. And then moving from there. But I like I like the thought of it being this maybe long-term developing relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, it's there's a lot. He packs a lot in this song. It, again, it seems maybe a little simple, but then again, like you said, Jack the Cowboy went up. Yeah, I could see that being someone in the woman's past, and then the Lone Wolf went out tricking. I could be somebody else. Right. Uh, I like you said. I like the with the badge of the Lonesome Road written on your sleeve, which is that could be you know they've this person spent a lot of time out with him on the road, and uh, you know they've earned these miles. It's the bad. I mean, again, that free the badge of the Lonesome Road. And it's such a marvelous phrase. I mean, it's good. It is such a good, Bob loves writing things up with like, you know, kind of like a cowboy <laughs> kind of sound yeah, to it. Yeah. And it, that has such a beautiful, it conjures up so many images in your mind. Well, definitely. And then when you put it together, you know, I think of it in terms of like the albums around it too, like Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, like definitely full on cowboy. And, mm-hmm. you know, that definitely carries into this album as well. And I think, I don't know, Bob, you know, obviously fancies himself a little bit of a cowboy from time to time. So, <laughs> yeah, again, even like the like the line we talked about that I, I ain't hauling any of my lambs to the marketplace anymore. Even that's like an old timey kind of phrase. Oh, yeah. Oh, you yeah. know, the idea of do of literally dragging your your wares through the marketplace. But then, of course, that is preceded by the world of illusion is at my door, which is again very florid and very fanciful. And again, the way he can, I've said this like. I'm, on a bunch of episodes where it's like Bob through the quality of his voice and through his, the quality of his singing is able to put across sounds and ideas that I think coming out of the mouth of someone else might sound ridiculous. Uh, like we talked about the crotch. I think maybe somebody else singing the word hotter than a crotch might make That's you laugh in a bad way. You know, it would just be distracting, yeah. but there's something about the way he's able to put it across that it it's, it's startling because of the word is just not a word you hear in songs very much, but it doesn't make you laugh and take you out of the song. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. So yeah, it's, 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 it's a really terrific song. It's, it's one that I, I've listened to, you know, again, I mentioned it became one of my favorites and then uh, I have it on playlists. It's again, it's a great jolt of energy. And you know, there's a, there's a lot of really wonderful romantic songs on planet waves. And then there's some others that are a little more, uncertain wedding song is certainly kind of one of those that, that, that there's more doubt creeping in there, but this is a, to me like a real song of devotion while acknowledging there are some potential problems or some potential pitfalls that go right into, but it's, it's somebody making a promise uh, again, despite maybe that they're going to go off and do this other thing, but they're making this promise. And again, to meet me at the border late tonight, again, it's just a beautifully, uh, romantic image and it, it, it that kind of does remind me a little bit of like tangled up in blue this idea of you know going out on the docks and things like that it's he's these wonderful descriptors in his song so yeah it's just a really terrific song yeah i completely agree and again just the word word choices and his delivery just constant through his songs that just has fascinated me for quite a while yeah, that's it. It's, it's it's really really great. So, uh, well, I guess before we we wrap up here, uh, talking about uh, tough mama, uh, I want to ask you, uh, Jeremy, uh, a question I've been asking everybody uh, on the show. Well, I just started a couple of episodes ago, but now this is the regular question. So, uh, let's say, Jeremy, you have access to a time machine, right? And uh, you can visit any session 
of any Bob Dylan album ever. Only one, though. Uh, which one would you pick? If you could go back and just be in a fly on the wall and watch one of these albums get made, which album would it be? It's a pretty good one. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think just for the craziness of the time, it would. Can I count basement tapes? An album is an album. Listening to like all of them together, just truly having fun mm-hmm. and just screwing around in a small little house studio, right? Like that would be a blast. You would definitely get uh, from the time machine. You would definitely get the most bang for your buck there because that was like <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was like yeah. a couple of it was like a couple of months worth. So you would really. <laughs> <laughs> but, and honestly, I would you know if we pick a more specific album like. I think I'd pick Tough Mama. Again, you're like, you're dealing with the band. Mm-hmm. I think like, I love, love the band, love Bob Dylan, like getting those two together on there. would be pretty fun to see. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, there's no, there's no wrong answer. You know, I mean, there's no wrong answer. It's whatever would interest somebody to see. Imagine what it would be like to just sit there and, uh, you know, and, you know, I haven't gotten into the, the weeds of the question. Like, are, are you like really physically there? Can Bob see you? <laughs> could you, could you accidentally change the album? You don't want that to happen. Or, or are you just more <laughs> like a ghost that you can just see what's going on? I don't know. We haven't really thought about it to that extent. Right. But, but yeah, the basement tapes would be, you know, amazing. Again, how much you'd, you'd be getting a whole lot of, you're spending a lot of time up there. In the <laughs> yeah, and if, and if it counts where I can actually hang out with them, like, hang out, drink a beer with those guys. Like that would be, that'd be pretty entertaining. That really would be. So, well, Jeremy, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show to talk about the song. Again, I think this is a, a terrific tune. It's not one that most people ever talk about. And certainly no one I think has ever asked for it before, <laughs> uh, which is great. Cause I really think this is just a great song. So thank you so much for coming on the show, man. It was a great talking to you. Well, thanks for having me. And I really appreciate you doing this podcast because it was you know, when I stumbled across it right in like the start of COVID lockdown stuff and it, man, I really went back to some songs I hadn't listened to for a while and it's, it's been, been great. And then I was able to like, like slowly introduce my kids to some of these songs that I had kind of like stepped away from for a while. So it's been, it's been great to kind of go through some of these again. Oh, well, thank Thank you very much. I'm glad you've been enjoying it. I, you know, you mentioned at the top of the show that you try to, you guys try and go to, X number of concerts a year. Obviously, what last year that didn't get that didn't happen, right? You weren't able to make it on last year because there were no concerts to see. I'm guessing. No, we were close though. I think wow. we made it to ten, but th- there was some like outdoor small ones that mm-hmm. we were able to go to. There was a you know like you had to sit in your car in a parking lot, and we went to one like and sat in like the back of our minivan and watched it kind of like a drive-in movie theater. Like so, we did a few nice. of those, and we we tried to get there, but just didn't quite make it. Gotcha. Gotcha. I will say I, I have been to a couple of Dylan shows that were open air and man, those are spectacular. You know, uh, I'm a big, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm a big, you know, uh, booster of like doing things outside. I love eating outside. I love all that. So a couple of times I've seen Bob where he was like in an open air place, like, boy, this is just the best, especially on like a, a summer night or something. That is just the most amazing thing just to have that being the the, the 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 stars above you with Bob on the stage playing. It's just a remarkable uh, experience to have. Oh, I did, full agreement. Yeah, I love the, love the outdoor shows, love the summer tours when you can hit a few shows and you're outside all summer, and it's those are great. It's amazing. So, again, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, of course, everybody, you can find back episodes of the show on our website, findwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on any podcatcher of your choice. 
And then finally, if you want to support the Fine Water Podcast Network, just go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast. There you can unlock various rewards, and one of which is to be name-checked on a show of your choice. So big thanks to Robert Ward, Steve Cronin, Max Hutzel, George Doherty, Joaquin Meckel, and Paul Ruther for their support of Pod Dylan. I very much appreciate it. That's going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you later. Bye. Welcome back to another OnlineDrama.com Monday lesson. I'm Nate Brown, and in this lesson, I'm going to be talking about a technique called concealing the backbeat, and uh, it's actually from the song Tough Mama by uh, Bob Dylan. This technique used in Tough Mama by Bob Dylan, 1973 Planet Waves album, is a perfect example of concealing the backbeat. And the backbeat, normally we consider of, it's just the snare drum that plays on two and four usually. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Well, Tough Mama includes that, okay? It's not out of the norm. You're not having the beat on, like, one and whatever. But occasionally, just to keep it interesting... It switches the backbeat and kind of conceals it. And for the average listener, you're listening like, whoa, where'd it go? 